Robots Radio presents... Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on October 2nd, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash Chat as we continue our discussion over the upcoming hikeable Europa. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 And this is the... With the help of chat and Hey It's Orchid, our newest member of FFC, we have been creating a language with the abuls at the end of it. So this is the green-eyed music lover, a bull. Green-eyed music lover. I would say greenable. Greenable? Guru says that yeah. he is not responsible. Loverable? Yeah, greenable. Yeah, blue's I'm not otterable. responsible. Otterable. But yeah, we got Orchid here. Yay! Otterable. Yee! It's... It's been um, enjoyable. We are not responsible. Anyway, oh, enjoyable. That's an actual <laughs> yeah. word. Yeah, that's new. <laughs> I'm good at this. Oh this God. is one of the few things that I'm decent responsible. at. Responsible. That's another one. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Uh, man. Uh, so, just real quick, couple couple of special announcements. Just to remind people, uh, please. Please be sure to check out thelorenetwork.com. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are on the new site layout that we have going over there, whether or not we can do anything that makes it a little bit more manageable for you or usable for you. Um, on top of that, if you are interested, Loot Crate is doing a uh, Destiny limited, like it's like their legendary crate that they did for Halo, but it's for Destiny. Uh, we have an affiliate link with uh, Loot Crate. If you guys are going to be picking up that crate and you would like to support our show we would appreciate it uh that will be included with the show notes over on our podbean website uh and just click on that and then i believe the code is robots radio when you go to check out uh that i don't believe there's a discount off the quarterly crates but the regular crates there is a i think it's like a 10 or 15 percent discount off of that with that code uh so be sure to check that out um other than that uh, you know as Green mentioned, we'd like to extend a very warm welcome to the new show co-host, Orchid. Uh, she is you. here forever and ever and will never leave. Anyways, now moving on. Whoa. Um, She's taking over. She's <laughs> taking over. Slowly but surely. One podcast at a time. Yeah. The Otter Army is moving in. Uh but yeah, so I know everyone is actually looking forward to diving into this one. I think with this particular episode, we're going to look at some of the information that we got concerning the actual what's referred to as the frozen frontier. So this is going to be kind of opening up and looking at the map that we've seen for Europa, as well as talking about the dynamic weather that they developed. It's a brand new system that they're going to introduce into Destiny, and it sounds really cool. It sounds like it's they've done a lot of work um and i'm actually really excited to see how that goes over but um real quick green orchid did i forget anything i don't think i did but i might have Mm -mm. i don't think so i think we are ready to dive into the frozen frontier (gasps) yes Perfect. Okay, so we, again, uh, we're going to be talking about the information that we've gotten from a couple of the articles, uh, the the hub page over on Bungie.net, and then also the, at at current time, the most recent Europa trailer um, that they released. This particular episode will probably be focused more on, I believe the article was referred as titled, let me double check, 100% Chance of Snow. Uh, which was released on September 23rd. Uh, and I have all these informations. I'll, I'll, I'll 
include the document that I have all this collected on in the show notes as well for anybody who wants to go check that out. Similar to the stasis document that I made, uh, it's kind of just a collection point of all the information that we've gotten from the dev spotlights for this particular topic. Um, So let's just, I guess, just dive in here. It's described as a frozen frontier through a lot of the material that we've gotten. Um, And there's quotes that say things like, The frozen frontier of Europa holds many lost secrets from the past. You must brave the unknown, infiltrate the Golden Age Braytech facility, and uncover what lies deep under the ancient ice before your enemy, Aramis the Kell of Darkness, bestows a new dark power on her fallen forces. Uh, we also have references it, references to it being a frozen Golden Age graveyard um, and repeated references that beyond the surface lies a secret. So we're going to be getting a lot of, it sounds like, a lot of areas that are discoverable um, when we go through this hikeable area. The big sections that are called out on the map currently are the Eventide Ruins, the Asterian Abyss, Cadmus Ridge... Karen's Crossing and beyond. Now, there's some really cool tidbits hidden within those names. Uh, right now, currently, the only thing that we have reference to them on the site are just these little clip, little like flavor text clips. I didn't know, Green, do you want to read those so I don't just talk everybody's ear off? Yeah, so the Eventide Ruins has once home to thousands of settlers, and now that all remains of Clovis Bray's colony. And now all that remains of Clovis Breakout Colony. Asterion Abyss says, The Vex structures visible on the surface are only the tip of the iceberg. Cadmus Ridge says, A snowy landscape and the last known location of the buried exoscience, or the buried Bray exoscience facility. So possible deep stone crypt area. Charon's Crossing the site of Europa's communication center and the origin of a distress sing- signal sent by Varix. And then beyond, an old friend awaits us in this clearing that overlooks the conflict between light and dark. Fun little straight up uh, Exo Stranger reference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely. And I kind of called that out. I was like, the friend mentioned here is most likely the Exo Stranger. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's the the cutscene that we've seen with. Uh, the Exo Stranger, Eris, and Drifter on that plane. I think that's the beyond. Uh, Orchid, would you want to kind of go over a little bit of where we know Asterion from before? Like the Asterion's Abyss? Because I don't, I mean, Eventide doesn't have any sort of like background things besides it's just a name and a location. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. The only thing that I see here for Asterion's Abyss. Um, we have all the references to Greek mythology. Um, we have the river god of Argos, um, who's a son of Oceanus and Tethys. Um, we have the king of Crete is also referred to as Asterius. And it's the name of the Minotaur who dwelled at the center of the labyrinth of Crete. So it's another labyrinth reference. Because we seem to be collecting those like Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because they're cool looking. They and are. Eris cool needs to stop doing her little Zen garden underneath the pyramid. I don't believe you. Continue. <laughs> Cadmus Ridge. Let's do some more Greek mythology now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All yeah. the Greek mythology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't we do this one Work too? It. Yeah, I do. All right. <laughs> Did you already read the flavor text for this one? Yeah, the little red right, red right, right. text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is also a reference within Greek mythology. Um, it's the founder and first king of Th- Thebes. Um, he uh-huh. was the son of King Agnar and Queen... Th- oh, you are stretching me. Telephasa of Tyre. God, words are hard. Telephasa. Telephasa. You were really close. Mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, words. Um his siblings uh, were Phoenix, Silix, and Europa. Interesting. I wonder where mm-hmm. that name came from. Um, in addition mm-hmm. to the founding of Thebes, uh, Cadmus is also known as the man who brought writing and the alphabet to the Greeks from the Phoenicians. Interesting. Yeah, so 
kind of a call out since it's an exoscience facility from Clovis Bray in that area. It's likely mm-hmm. the location of where the Deep Stone Crypt will be. Right. Or at least the entrance to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blue, you have in here in the purple section, that's from mm-hmm. the old flavor text, isn't it? From D1? So that's actually, the purple text is actually from Beyond Light's hub page. Um, okay. So that was actually referenced. They they talk about the Deep Stone Crypt as below the frozen tundra of Europa. For decades, mm-hmm. it has remained dormant. Um, if you look at the, again, kind of what you were saying there, the exoscience facility, it's a snowy landscape that kind of translated in my head. I was kind of equating that to a frozen tundra. Um so that's kind of where I was like, you know, it's the only thing so far that has been called out as being related to exoscience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that it is, but I that's why I said it's like the possible location. Um, the other thing that was uh, the other location that I could see it potentially being is Eventide, Eventide Ruins. But Eventide uh, struck me more as a um, habitat zone than a work zone and we know that clovis bray you know if anything if venus is anything to go off of clovis bray had uh segregated zones for like habitats habitats and then work zones and research zones and and even within those the labs were segregated between you know different research projects as well so it would make sense to me that Cadmus is where we see the Deepstone Crypt, whereas Eventide is more of that's the you know recreational um, home area. What about Charon's Crossing? That one's a pretty famous name in Greek mythology. With yeah. the isn't that the dog? No, uh, Charon. Charon or, is the ferryman, ferryman of Hades. Oh, right. Cerebus, uh, is, Cerebus the, is the dog. The dog yeah. mm-hmm. So Charon's crossing is Charon is often referred to as the spiritual guide of souls to the place of the dead. He's he's what is his archetype. His figure is what's referred to as a psychopomp. Uh, it's an actual entity. Um, so Charon is a psychopomp. He is responsible for carrying the souls of newly deceased across the river Styx. Uh, the river Styx is an important. Figure, it's an important thing, figure slash entity. It's kind of all of the above within Greek mythology because its main purpose is to divide the world of the living from the world of the dead. Um, namely, the reason why Karen had to have a fairy is because neither the living nor the dead could really touch Styx. Styx as a, as a body of water was deadly to basically everything. So he was the only way across one way or the other. So that was that was where you see Karen's crossing is, and then I, I like the fact that Karen's crossing is also the communication center because it's literally the one place that you can communicate to and from Europa is mm-hmm. the kind of the, the idea that I was getting from it. Nice. And then the beyond we already mentioned is likely where the exo stranger is based off the flavor text. Um, before we go into the terrain and the weather systems and everything like that in there, I do want to call out the two pieces of lore that mention Europa currently. That's This is just like actual cards. And there's one in D2 and there's one in D1. The one in D2 is from the, the ship card, Solar Sails. And it is likely based off of the um, workers going out to the Bray. Yeah, that's the and one then, that they were, they were throwing a fit, fit because they were like, Ugh. Yeah, you mentioned it in the intro session. And then the second one is the Ghost Fragment Legends 2, where it's mentioned that the nine are, what are they, Some something on the tarot carbon pits. Uh, uh, the nine yeah, are Leviathan. ancient Leviathan intelligence from the seas of Europa or the hydrocarbon pits of Titan. So it's just a singular, singular mention there. It's that what blue loves to call the gather information card the adventure time (laughs) roll for your adventure it totally is the gather information card uh it is advertible time by the way too okay perfect uh solar sails is the one that actually does look like a sailboat so yeah I, i actually really like the solar sails aesthetic uh for the ship yes so, should we go to an ad break real quick and then come back and dive into some more 
the inclement weather. The fun, cold, like, just, yeah. We'll be right back. (laughs) I'm Bob. And I'm Brad. We're lifelong friends. And the hosts of the Film and Whiskey Podcast. This is the show where each week we review a classic movie and a glass of whiskey. That's right. Every week we go in-depth on a well-known movie while sampling the best from the world of scotch, bourbon, and more. Because nothing goes better with strong opinion than equally strong liquor. Bob's a movie nerd. Brad's an average Joe. But together, we give fresh insights and hot takes on the world of movies and spirits. So check out the Film and Whiskey Podcast. Part of the Robots Radio Network. So that was a bit of a chilly, chilly departure. So let's come back and. Oh, oh <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Uh, now, man, I, I'll have to be honest. This particular, this, this in, like article that they did was so cool to read. Uh, like you don't, we don't get, I think the lightest twab, they kind of did a similar thing with the, the faces, like they were explaining the mechanics of the faces and everything. Um, but this is, they did a really cool thing and they kind of pulled the, the curtain back and actually let the developers of these systems talk about all the crazy stuff that they do. Um, so they had a couple of the Europa design leads talking, um, let's see, He's the introduction is I, I'm just going to quote this because it's so great. He says the crunch of your boots in the snow makes you aware of the silence, a silence that is short lived. It starts as a light gust carrying away the gentle flakes of snow that rest on your shoulders. Then without warning, it hits you. A sudden wave of frozen air cuts through your armor. The hut in the distance seems further away, harder to see. You lean into the wind as it grows in strength. Frost begins to spread across your helm and the storm howls as Europa challenges your every step. The squall envelops you, and your destination vanishes into the white. The Eris trailer back in, I want to say it was like June, whenever Eris had, uh, was moving through the frozen landscape, you see her leaning forward and kind of fighting against this this wail of a wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, you see it with, well, all three of the figures actually have a bit of this environmental challenge like the stranger you see it though the strangers is more because her sparrow kicks it up but then Mm -hmm. also drifter has it where he's flying through a bit of a thing he also has a respirator which is really i like i like seeing that particular piece of hardware actually getting in like shown i thought that was really cool yeah uh what about the next section where europa design lead alex Veliki recalls we were brainstorming and Ed oh, Brennan. So cool. Huh? I said this was this was this was what I was talking about. This is so cool because like he he explains the process of them coming up with this. Gotcha. So Ed Brennan, Europa World Art Lead, proposed the idea of a blizzard to help sell the fantasy of a harsh environment. I thought it would be awesome if design had direct control over it and it and it didn't take long for everyone to get excited about the implementation. So is is this something now this is just me throwing out a question is this something we think is going to be a physical detriment causing us to move slower yes our it is actually uh they they'll go on to explain it there's actually three different stages uh there's aesthetics there so there's an aesthetic style that transfers from uh what they call no storm to light storm to heavy storm um, and the aesthetic styles also correlate with actual uh, gameplay uh, impacts. And they actually talked about like the process of going through it. There's, I know uh, Dino said that was he, the original one, I think it was the, um, the heavy storm originally was going to screw up how your gun and grenades actually interacted. So like in the heavy storm, if you threw a grenade, it would actually not go where you aimed. It would actually get blown off course. They ultimately, I think they ultimately scrapped that and, you know, went with something a little bit gentler <laughs> for us. But it was, it was really cool listening to hearing about it. Cause like he says, you know, finding the balance was crucial here because the initial implementation of slowing player movement, altering grenade paths, and even knocking players off their sparrows, which that sounds amazing, proved too harsh. Um, because I, I really actually going back, I really like the idea that you have to be careful when you're riding a sparrow 
in a heavy wind or heavy storm like that makes sense that actually does make perfect sense um so because the 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 balance that they're trying to do is they want to create a sense of space that was treacherous to the players but actually not frustrating and and you know that's a very delicate line to walk um that and this is where they actually start talking about the development of this dynamic system he says while most other weather systems experienced previously in destiny have been fairly simple the team wanted to in this case create something more dynamic and scripted um and so they actually looked (laughs) they actually spent an enormous amount of time watching um actual nature videos and so they they went through and they found that you know they could script the weather in a way that was similar to the systems found in destiny's activities and this also gave them the ability to create the storms on demand so they now have something where they can toggle the storms as you hit like certain parts that's um, oh yeah it, it's, it's it's so cool like it's just reading how they developed this was really really interesting um so and that and that ties into the aesthetics of the different storms um so you know and this kind of goes back to they were saying you know knowing that real storms don't just suddenly appear and disappear with the exact same features every time the team looked at different ways that they could immerse players into oncoming and departing storms and so that's where you get these three different types uh so they basically developed a handful of variables that when they were blended could organically grow or diminish a storm based off the needs of the story and the environment and this was where they they said they you know they researched just tons of material uh, uh which includes nature documentaries and all this different cool stuff um and that's where you get no storm light storm and heavy storm and i don't know if you want to talk about that aesthetic the aesthetics there that i have noted yeah have uh orchid are you able to go through the no storm sections and the the descriptions that he has in there for it all right no storm says This is what Europa would look like without the new weather system. Clear skies, fresh snow, perfect skiing weather. Consider this the smoothest sailing you'll do on the icy moon. I assume that would mean, you know, use whatever scope you want. You're not going to have any problem shooting enemies or seeing things with your scope from five miles away. Mm -hmm. So you might have some like drifting of snow and stuff like that, but it's not going to be like flurries maybe flurries Mm-mm. yeah yeah and then the light storm wind picks up snowfall increases around you and it's is largely aesthetic so still not a, a thing that's actually going to affect your abilities or your gunplay or anything like that it's literally there just to help warn you that hey things are things are starting to um, possibly get bad for you soon if mm-hmm. you're not careful mm-hmm you want to go back and you read the heavy storm? Sure. The heavy storm says, Wind roars and the snow flurries become even more violent. The mid-ground is difficult to see and, if not for the faintly visible silhouettes, it would be nearly impossible to navigate at all. Players are encouraged to stick closer to cover and move with intent. You know what this reminds me of? Hmm. Do you remember the cut scene before Rise of Iron where the wolves or not the wolves, the um, devil splicers come through the wall and they just it's mostly because of dark, but it was also a snowy landscape that they used for that release. And that imagery that they use there of them coming from the dark is going to help make it look a lot more um adrenaline rush because the enemies are much closer and probably going to be quite deadly as well so it's a not necessarily a jump scare tactic but most certainly one to make you think twice about just being able to move around easily because you don't know where they're coming from i just saw something new on skype cool Yes, and that is a good segue, Blue. Do you want to go into it? Oh, I was going to say if you wanted to. Um, yeah, so actually that is that is actually something they call out right there as well. They say that it's also worth remembering that just because the weather picks up doesn't mean the moon's combatants disappear. Even though it looks like the snow is shooting at you, it's not. So with nearly zero visibility and a fallen kel to stop, it might not hurt to pack a thermal scope, which sounds really cool because that means we're going to get some new sounds like that might be one of the new perks or the new loadout options with these weapons 
Oh yeah. Um, and then yeah, chat's talking about like you know the for anyone who has audio cues or who relies on audio cues during gameplay, this is gonna this is gonna mess with them. Like this is gonna you're not gonna be able to hear those audio cues that you are used to hearing when when enemies show up or enemies are around you. You won't oh, be able to no. hear that. Guess who's going to this... be really good at this? Me. <laughs> he doesn't get the audio cues in the first place. This Look is true. What up? <laughs> yeah. I I use a lot of audio cues, so I'm going to be one of those who's going to be screeching like you were when the uh, Promethean met <gasps> for the first time. All of a sudden, I... it was there. What was <laughs> I supposed to do? It was great. It was like the bad guy from Scooby-Doo in your face. Oh my god, it was not there, and then it was. (laughs) No, I think this whole concept that they're talking about with the thermal thermal scopes is a really clever way to implement something they've had in-game prior, but just didn't really have a ton of use. And it's similar to the highlights that you get. I think it was an old um, Rise of Iron coin one of the ones that you could have on there was a, oh, able yeah. to highlight enemies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a few other, um, I'm trying to think of the one that used to have the wall hacks. Was that the Titan Wish helmet? Ender. Well, Wish Ender does that, but there's Wish a Ender few. Does. Oh, others. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was one-eyed oh, mask. Yeah, I think that was one-eyed mask. I, I don't Titan, so I th- think that sounds right. Yes, one-eyed mask does, in fact, do that. Yeah. And also, doesn't crouching um, ghost knights do that too? Yeah. If you get a precision shot. But yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's using that same mechanic. And I think it's a nice way for them to use that same cue in a different way to be able to have a scope now rather than have to perform a special task to get it or have a special special thing. Mm -hmm. Sounds of nature. Yeah, so talking about the audio cues, that actually uh, talks about the different levels of the volume. Uh, So he goes on to say, The gust of wind rushing past your ears, the creaking of structures as they bend and sway, even the silence. And in many cases, you hear a storm before you see it. And the audio team wanted to give Europa an identity and a voice, so they introduced a unique palette of sounds that would establish it as a recognizable and real place in the Destiny universe. Um, so this, this kind of gets into like how they do, like, it always fascinates me how they do sounds within video games. Like one of my favorite things with the Halo games is when the sound team shows like how they make all the weapon sounds, like where they, they go out to the range and they're just like, oh, we're just going to shoot this giant 50 caliber gun. But then they start like shooting it into water bottles and different stuff. Um, Mm -hmm similar similar thing here uh so they talk about to achieve sounds that would invoke an alien wasteland that is familiar but subtly unusual alien and otherworldly uh they talked to keith uh i think it's soquist uh noted uh-huh. that a video shared by peter comley of seal sounds really inspired him um so specifically descending tones clicks and booms were noted on how closely tied to the icy environment and naturally evocative of cold and hardness they felt so a lot of the sounds are inspired by seals apparently that's kind of cool and slightly scary well it's also really funny because what that reminds me of is the audio that they did in halo uh for a lot of the covenant uh more animalistic sounds that's a pug really yeah really yeah yeah like a lot of the snuffles and grunts and stuff that's a pug that they they walk around with the giant mic next to it and he's like like that's uh, it's i'll have to look up the um documentary that they did on him it was really funny that's cool. I, I remember they did the um, the Vidoc years ago about the different sounds and the Foley art that they used specifically for the Vex and how a lot of the Vex were actually like metal being cut or punched mm-hmm. and stuff like that added in with a little bit of the um, electronic music manipulator type thing. But I, Foley art is such an interesting concept because you can use so many different everyday sounds and just manipulate them just slightly and get a whole new flavor yeah the pug is gyoza and it's mostly he's he's uh for halo infinite uh he's the one that makes the alien noises it's really really adorable 
Um, but yeah, they did a whole nice. little thing on it for him. Um, so yeah, so I mean, and I guess the other thing too is like, you know, the whole clicking and booms, if you've ever seen mm-hmm. them play with ice, ice tubes, like if you've ever mm-hmm. seen them do that, like where they, they're like, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's really cool. Like they'll drop like stuff down. Like I, I think they drop like metal into the tubes or they drop, you know, different, uh, coins and stuff like that. Uh, they did a lot of it with, the. Uh, at the North and South poles, because they were showing, they were basically showing how the sound waves are, um, warped by the ice. It like the ice actually changes the way the sound waves travel. It's really cool to watch. Um, so yeah. Uh, so after running the information through their audio software, they use the game data to alter the pitch, the volume and the trigger frequency of the sounds. So mm-hmm. what they did was they actually took the sounds that, you know, were the seal sounds or whatever the, the, the initial sounds were, and then they plugged it into aspects such as those intensities, those three different levels of intensities, because then the intensities would be correlated to alter the soundscapes in real time. So in the same way that they are able to summon storms on demand, the storms that are being summoned, the level of the intensity of that particular event is going to also naturally drive the change in audio in the audio sounds that you're hearing. So the triggering is probably the most important aspect of it, the change of the triggering frequency, because the way that most sound works, and this is just from a scientific perspective, there when you're learning about timbre in an instrument, certain instruments do have a type of frequency signature, like a, a violin is a very, very easy one to say, um, has a very particular sense of frequency. But if you put a violin next to a saxophone and you take out they're playing the exact same note and you take off the t- first instant, the trigger, the um, the strike, you actually have a harder time distinguishing bet- between the two because they're so similar. So the fact that they are, are manipulating the sound in such a way that they are changing the initial strike frequency will make it unrecognizable to us as a standard, a standard sound. So like a, a dog snorting or coughing or anything like that would not sound like that to us because it doesn't have that initial familiar sound. It's not a sign because our brains mm-hmm. actually process the first part of a sound more so than the sustain. Hmm. That's, that makes a lot of I mean, sense. That actually. that actually does. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. It's interesting, mm-hmm. like hearing you say that though. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. So like think about the old, old keyboards that you could, that had different instruments. Mm-hmm. Once you, like they were always terrible sounding because the strike was computer generated. It wasn't an actual strike that you would get from an instrument that would be there. But once you had the strike, if you played a saxophone or a cello or whatever and had it one hand be one thing and the other hand be the other, you actually would have a harder time distinguishing them because we did not have the technology to map the frequency levels within the actual MIDI or whatever soundboard was being used for that software for that instrument. So Mm -hmm. luckily with time and a lot more people who are way smarter than I am, they have been able to develop much, much better sound samples for use electronically. Right. But initially it was very, very difficult to come up with something that sounded real. Yeah, chat's chat's talking about a couple of those things. Black Flag says that's kind of like why your own voice sounds differently to you than it does to other people. Like you you perceive your voice differently. And then Neo actually brought up another really cool example of the difference in sounds. Um, if you've ever if you haven't ever watched this, I really strongly go suggest you go do this. But go watch a video of someone skipping a stone on a frozen lake. If you haven't seen it, it is the coolest sound. It's just it's so cool. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so that was, that was another example that Neo brought up that I really wanted to, to bring up as well. 
Uh, but yeah, so anyways, so to go back to the, the way that the data is connected to everything within the soundscape or it's connected and that alters the soundscapes. Um, so they took the, the underlying soundscapes of like what green was talking about with the triggering frequency, the game data to alter pitches, the volumes and all that they court, they coordinated and connected that into the different, um, intensities of the environment. And then that, was then underlaid under an additional wind loops and structural sounds that they added to the different locations. And they all, they tied all of these things, these variables, they tied them all to the same game inputs. And what they came back with was that it basically it's making the Europa storm feel much more dynamic and unique. So you're not going to get, I'm not going to say you won't get repeats, but you won't get the same cookie cutter storm experience, you know, on the same like every mission is going to have a slightly different experience hopefully and so that's where the like the 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 technical mechanics of how they did all this was really cool watching watching the sound team come in and be like you know this is where we got the sounds and all this but then watching the actual devs and take take that information and see like and and connect it in a a data point like in a way of a database was just really cool to read about. I think it's going to be probably we talk about like breaking norms in video games all the time with like pushing the limits of what a software can do. This is not as I don't know if this is pushing the limits of the software because I'm not a coder and I don't pr- exactly understand that. But it is something I would say is. I don't know of any other game that would do something like this to this extent when it comes to the sound. We've Uh seen environmental changes, but sound is often just piped in to be very, very similar across the board. And the fact that we have something that's much more dynamic, it'll help with the immersion. I think I'm going to like running around Europa purely just for the sound design at this point. I mean, like you'll, you'll see similar stuff with like No Man's Sky, um, other like completely open world games will have similar concepts but you're right i don't know of Mm -hmm. any that like dive into like this level um i know like elder scrolls does some similar stuff with uh not necessarily weather sound but like environmental sounds they do a bit of that uh, especially Mm -hmm. with skyrim they did um and i know like with halo infinite they're doing some similar stuff as well with the different uh like what we were talking about with the aliens, like the actual creatures. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming that this is going to like once, once, you know, it's, it's the nature of the beast. Once something is done, then everyone starts doing, you know, similar concepts to it. And so, but what's cool about this is like, even if someone does a similar concept to it, it's going to be its own flavor. It's going to be its own unique process and it's going to result in something that is distinct and unique in that particular situation. So even if someone were to copy this, you know, this logic, it's going to result in something that is completely different. And I think that's, what's really cool about doing about talking about this particular thing and about them showing like kind of the logic behind it is like, if we can get games to do this, I mean, with the the new generation of hardware that's coming out, um, you know, that's going to also allow people to push a little bit further into it. So I really am. I'm really kind of excited about it. Question real quick. This is just kind of a across the board. I know they talked about having a new system that they were working with, but I can't remember if it was for Beyond Light that this was going to be utilized. Yes. It was it was mm-hmm. not the the same system that they developed D2 on. So they've actually had to create or at least port over all the old assets into the new system. I do you remember what system it was? Um, uh, oh, go for, go for it. I, as far as I know, the new system they're they're really doing it. It's a system of like developer tools to make it easier for them to actually upgrade the game later. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really affect the way we play it at all. It's a right. it's a way to make their lives easier. So it's like a quality of life upgrade. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, yeah, but not, it's not a new okay. engine. No, no, no. Yeah, There's no it's new a quality engine. Of life. It's a quality, it's a quality of, life of a life the for the scenes. developers. It's yeah. not for us. That's good, though. Yeah, it's no, really no, no, no. We can make really their good. lives easier. There is an AI kind of upgrade a little bit. 
um, which is really fascinating. And I'm really interested to see how they're going to implement this is that they're changing the way the AI kind of recognize us in the game. Um, so instead of, uh, for example, like Nocris was last week for the Grandmaster Nightfall. Um, so, for example, if I am the last one alive and my two teammates are very dead and I am panicking mm-hmm. and screaming, much like many people have heard before. <laughs> and um, the thrall, if you're hiding, they can't find you because it's based on the location and not on you as the player. So they don't it's see you. They don't know where you them. are. They don't interact with you. In Halo, it's different because they know where you are because mm. like you are the interaction point. It's not like the area at large. So right. I think, um, yeah, they're moving from the mission host to the physics host. That's what uh, Blue said in chat. So, okay. Yeah. So they're, they're, it's going to recognize us now more as a threat. So if we're by ourselves and we're running out of ammo, then it's probably, I think, going to be a lot more aggressive than uh, it has been in the past because we've been really able to abuse kind of the engine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, especially just like, I don't know how many of you guys have played a lot of Skyrim, but um, when you get up, up in <laughs> levels, you can just take pot shots at like the hardest bosses from the doorway because you haven't triggered what? them. With, mm-hmm. What? I have Who? no idea what? what you're talking about. No, I have no how idea either. Played? I definitely have never done that. Played never, with bows exclusively in that <laughs> game. Yeah, I only, that? only sneak. It's a legit strategy. Okay. My hunter in that game, like my cat has the best thighs in that game because of all the sneaking and yes. bow shooting it does. That's all it does. Sneaky kitty. <laughs> Sneaky bow shoots. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm assuming it's going to be more like Halo starting with this new, um, with this new kind of the change of host, I'm hoping. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see... I know it's not the same, or it is the same engine, but it's not necessarily going to affect us. I wonder if it actually will, because one of the things they talked about was making um, the tables, like they're reframing them, or mm-hmm. how, how is it, how, how would you I'm, explain that, Jay? That um, faces I know are different. Well, they're, Beards so left. yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that was an interesting thing. So like the, the mission scripting model is going to be like what Orky was saying, um, but the other thing that they're doing is they're revamping the content building and patching pipeline. So basically what they're doing is, and chat's kind of talking about this too. <clears throat> they, they basically, they didn't in hindsight, they didn't expect D2 to last this long. So they have, it's, it's kind of like any system. It's kind of a curse of its own making because all the legacy code is now getting in the way of itself. Right. Which that's not a dig at them. That is literally every video game out there that, that, that is everything. Um, so what you can do, so like one of the things that they're doing right now uh, that they're talking about uh, to go back to the physics host instead of the mission host is one of the, the features that they mentioned in the TWAB was face-to-face joins in social spaces. So basically mm-hmm. you can jump into a fire team with tower friends instead of having to reload the tower, which is right. a really cool thing. Um so, and, I mean, and of course, like they also call out, you know, the new scripting will change things in a very complex thing. So, you know, there's obviously going to probably be bugs. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just walk into it with that awareness. Um, right. But the other thing for the content building and stuff like that, um, the the downside, if there, you know, if you want to call it that, is that it will be a full re-download for everybody because we're having to kind of... Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean yeah, you have I know. to deal with the same thing that the PlayStation players have to do every for those, time? For those of us, a, for those on an Xbox and PC, apparently we have to we have to experience yeah, the PlayStation. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> I mean, and I'm on sense. both, so I'm like, I have to download what now? Right. Yeah. yeah apparently, Black it's going to be available before it comes yes. out. So not you only can is it going to be available it before it's come out, it. but it's also going to be thirty to forty percent smaller. Like. It's huge, well, huge amount. It is huge now. It takes I mean, up the it, majority of my PlayStation. Yeah, it's going to, I think they said it's cutting it down to somewhere between 60 and 70 gigabytes, which, I mean, I think right now it's like 140 or something. Um, but yeah, uh, let me see. Black Flag mentioned it. Yeah, so the whole the whole thing that the shift is, real quick, is that's that's actually the technical reason that you see sunsetting, to be mm-hmm. honest. that That is... Mm-hmm. 
at the core, that is why you have sunsetting happen. Thank um, And so, yeah. And so basically what is going to, what it's going to do is, you know, what is it? He said like complete shippable content builds were frequently taking North of 12 hours. Uh, so now they've got it down to sub 12 hours, which is huge. They've, they basically cut the shipping time that they took. Um, you know, it took work to allow them to cull content that we've upgraded or replaced. They they addressed the limited capabilities. Um, you know, it's just a lot of stuff that they they needed to clean house on. They've actually had time to go back and do stuff. Um, let me see the other thing that it was. Yeah, then they mentioned the rebuilt the face system, <laughs> which gives me hope that we'll eventually get to a point where we can upgrade our face. <laughs> Uh, apparently the faces will look a little bit different, uh, but it is not, it is not giving us the ability to change the face yet. Yeah. But it's a step in that direction. Like it is a step in that direction. Eventually. Um, I don't know about you guys. I'm still happy with my face. Like I I just want to be able to change my hair. I love my warlock, but my God, my hunter, I was like memeing when I made it. And it's just like the most horrific XO I've ever seen. And I regret (laughs) everything. And I always keep the helmet on. It's it's essentially Shax. Just never take the helmet. I always keep the helmet on. (laughs) Always keep the helmet on. I never want to do that. Now Shax has buck teeth underneath the helmet because he (laughs) messed up in the character creation screen. There you go. It's canonical. Um, the yep. other big thing Shaq's is they were able to relight portions of uh, some of the spaces. So basically mm-hmm. they took and they they I don't know if this is necessarily new for Beyond Light. I think they're doing similar things to what they did with Shadowkeep. Uh, the lighting system that they used in Shadowkeep was, if I remember, that was a really big step forward um, for how it I remember them talking about like the way that they did. It's not ray tracing necessarily, but it's kind of that kind of concept is it uses shadows um, and uses the the angle based off how the environment has things that block it. And the the way that the system picks up on those those uh, elements, they change and update it for shadow keep. So I think they're 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 basically bringing the EDZ and Nessus areas up to spec as far as that. Because, I mean, that's, what, four years now that they've been there? Teal with a weird mouth and pink hair spikes? That sounds like an amazing, like, 80s homage exo orchid. It sounds like my hair at this very moment. (laughs) I liked your, like, that picture you posted earlier. Thank you. Picture. Good picture. Yeah, my hair's obnoxious right now. We should round out this episode. We should. We are. We are done. Um, I will. I will also say, David. I think it was David Aldridge did a Reddit AMA with the Destiny uh, engineering manager, uh, who was <clears throat> Chris uh, Kosinovich. Uh, it's this was from a few months back, so it's a little bit. Excuse me. It's a little bit dated information, but it's still a war. It's it's still worth going through and and reading it. Um, and that's all in the bungee twab from last week i believe the 24th september 24th so mm-hmm. yeah last week uh that's all it's all in that particular twab um but yeah so yeah i mean that is all to go to kind of come back to europa i think that it's going to be that's why i'm i'm expecting it to be kind of like another shadow keep kind of hop in that we see a lot of things that are they're going to be trying to experiment with uh which i'm always i'm always excited when they do that because you get some really fun both fun ridiculous and fun like actual stuff happens in game like i always you know zavala visiting us at the tree that was a fun surprise don't stand to the right of eris um i still i so wish i kept that clip of cole getting just thrown against the wall and killed (laughs) i got yeeted when i did it too because i stood in the exact wrong spot and it was really funny i could not stop laughing Mm mm-hmm Good times, good times. Mm-hmm. So, do we have any shout-outs for this episode? Since we've kind of, um, got- I mean, just yeah, just basically welcome to Orchid. Uh, thanks for putting Thank up you. with our insanity, and um, thanks for chat. I've, I've been I've been having fun with chat this this round. Shoutables, uh, shoutables, shoutables. <laughs> they they've been keeping yeah. they've been keeping me on my toes with the introduction to new words. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Orchid. 
We're going to shout out her right out here. Also, Dancing Veru with all the abuls that we could have. They're amazing. They give me life today. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's almost like a a second language. You know how like when you're a kid, you're like, you learn pig Latin. Mm -hmm. This one feels like another language. We have created a new, we created a new thing, guys. The abuls. It's the focus fire language. It's the focus fireables. Yep. Focus fireables, guys. Speakables. Mm-hmm. Speakable. <laughs> yes. I have Shut- a pretty new speakable. <laughs> nice. Shout out to the- speakable. How about a shout out to Orchid Streams? <gasps> the most funnable, haloable. Oh. Screamable. <laughs> screamable. Pro- oh, Prometheanable, nightable. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there is um, an amazing clip of her are... screaming. It is have we a... mentioned that clip? Have we? Yes, many times. Um, please mention it again. It's very funny. You can find it on my channel. That, hey, it's working. Or Twitch. you can ask Pins. Yes, so Pins. He will. He will supply Pins, it to you. Pins has like a Rolodex of Twitch clips. I'm pretty sure at this point. There's another one of me smashing. One of my first clips was me smashing my face into the wall when I was streaming with Rick during um, the Rasputin bunkers. Because I always oh, jumped at the wrong time straight. and I just <laughs> jumped straight into the wall and would like just catapult myself and kill myself. Just I also screamed on Raspy. Yeah. Every time like every single time. It's just without fail I would do it. I mean I did it on purpose ninety percent of the time, but some of those bunkers were much more difficult than others because they had the wires hanging down. Yeah. yeah they had the random subways. I mean, it's just... Okay. <laughs> they had the random IO subway. I am still... <sighs> it's, you know what? It's so they could take the subway to their Zen garden. Um, it's so Eris could get to her pineapple garden. That's why the subway is there. Guys, we solved it. It's the Pineapple Garden subway. It's the Pineapple Express. <laughs> pineapple Express. Ah, so anyways, thank you for your time. And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.